Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Catherine Bexton and Emmy Cobes, welcome to Action City. Emmy, I know in the show, we talk a lot about all the places we love to go in Oklahoma City, all the shops, all the restaurants, the parks. One of the things that you have to have in order for those places to be able to operate their businesses is it's all commercial real estate. It's it's buildings and standalone locations that are owned by landlords that need to get those place, places rented out. May, mind you, some people may own their own buildings, but some people need to buy and sell those buildings. Some people need to rent them. But how do you figure out what the best location is for you? When I bought Greta Sloan, all these people kept telling me I needed to move and I needed a different space, but there was something I really loved about Nicholas Hills Plaza. So what I did when I bought Greta was I sort of listened to those people in that I thought I should look around and see what other spaces are available in the market. And so I called my friend Barry Murphy, whom I've known since college. He married my very best friend from growing up. And so I've known him since I was 18 years old. So he was the first person that I called. He's in the commercial real estate business in Oklahoma City. He has been doing this, oh God, at least 15 years. He's an expert. He does office. He does retail. He does industrial. I called Barry. Barry took me to all the spots where I could possibly take Greta. And guess what he helped me figure out? He helped me figure out that Nicholas's Plaza was the best place for it. And I kept it there. So he didn't feel like he needed to put me into a building just to put me into a building. He really helped me answer the hard question of my business of where was the best location. And then from there, my husband is a lawyer and he has his own law practice and he likes to move around a lot as well. And so, of course, he calls Barry to help him with his office needs. And re- the most recent building that he's in, my husband is now in this building called the Barry Law Building, or the I think that's called the Barry Law Building, actually, down on at like 19th and Classen. And Barry Murphy helped him find that building as well. He helped him negotiate the contract. And he, my husband ha- loves this building. It's perfect for him. It's historical. He feels like right at home there. And so I... Just, I can't say enough great things about Barry Murphy. He works for Cushman Wakefield. I think if anybody's looking for somebody to help them with their commercial real estate needs, I think you should definitely reach out to Barry. His phone number, you can reach him on his cell, 405-297-9913. Or you can reach him on his website, www.barrymurphy.net. So I highly recommend him. So Barry, thanks so much for sponsoring our podcast. We love you. Emmy, here we are in the studio again. We've gotten to come to the studio twice this week. I know. And well, and really, uh, it's uh, Christmas Eve. Oh, Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. I love Christmas Eve. I love Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. This year, Christmas Eve is going to be a little different, though, because we're having church online and not in person. Are you guys having church? So we kind of st- <laughs> we stopped going to church on Christmas Eve because it's always after a booze-filled dinner. Oh, and the last year we went, <laughs> I was giggling in the pew with my sister. It was just not mm-hmm. a good look to show up to yes. church at you know because we went to the midnight mass or midnight service at Cassidy. At Cassidy? I yeah. used to go to that as well. And, um, yeah, having a red wine stained mouth and kind of giggling with your family was probably not the best <laughs> it look. Was, it was, it was, yes. No, it's not the best look. But our service is like at five and six or something. Oh, so okay. we go before that our booze filled dinner. That's nice. And our booze filled dinner sort of changed over the years. So for years and years, we would have the, as my father called it, the Judeo Christian Christmas Eve dinner where we had our, Jewish friends and our Christian friends at the Chinese restaurant. We oh, went to Dotwo for years and years. Oh, we love Dotwo. We love Dotwo. And then Dotwo closed, but yeah. now Dotwo is open again yes. at, I think, Memorial in May, uh-huh. maybe. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been to that one yet, but so years and years at Dotwo. And then I don't know what happened. There was one year where we decided not to do it. And now for like the past three years, we haven't done it. And I sort of miss it. So our Christmas Eve, my mom normally makes osabuco or osabuco, depending on how you pronounce it. We do osabuco. But um, so that was, it's like so yummy and kind of strange if you don't know what it is. It's bone marrow. But 
Um, she gets Delicious. these like lamb shanks from La Baguette, or wait, no, actually made from camps. Is it a lamb shank or a veal shank? Oh, veal shank. A veal shank. Veal yeah. shank. Um, but this year I'm really excited. So because my sister can't come till Christmas Day, Chris or Christmas Eve, we're hosting at my house. And my sister-in-law is from Brownsville. So she's bringing in these like yummy tamales and we're doing kind of a Mexican. Um, it's called a tamalada where you have tamales and that's her family tradition. So I'm excited to kind of rethink our family yeah, tradition and meld the families together. Is yeah. I think is always so much fun. I think it makes it, uh, it just gives that much joy to the equation that everybody gets to be recognized and included. Yeah. And that's why I think having, a sister-in-law, you know, I mean, it, our family is kind of a lot. So it's like really fun for me to get to have her thing included. Yes. And, and her feel like she's now really a part of the family because the wedding was this summer. No, that's my, that was my sister. This is my oh, brother's your sister, wife. Your brother's wife. That was yeah. three, three years oh, ago. Because they have a baby now. Yeah. They have a one-year-old named Lark. Oh, right. Who's the cutest. So I'm really excited to have them. And, you know, we're, we're going to make like a Christmas margarita and this sounds like so much um, fun. Maybe if you have some leftover tamales. I mean, Mexican food is easy to cook. So I don't know about these tamales. Is she making the tamales from scratch? No. So they went down to Brownsville for Thanksgiving. And so she froze them from now she's bringing mm -hmm. them, but they're going to be, I mean, they're from Brownsville, Texas. So I'm sure they're going to be so good and authentic. They're going to be authentic. My friend, Michelle Green, her family does tamales on Christmas Eve. And so for years she would, make the tamales and then deliver them as sort of her Christmas present. Oh, I love that. But Michelle, you haven't done that in a few <laughs> years. If you could make a delivery on Christmas Eve, I'm I'm open and willing and ready. So just a little shout out. That's for actually your a really cute tamales. idea. Well, and it, maybe if we get some pralines from you, oh, we yes. can have them for dessert. No you pressure. <laughs> <laughs> That's my plan next weekend is to make all the pralines. My kids keep asking, mom, when are you making the pralines? When are you making the pralines? But you know what? Neely loves them and Jim and Gracie don't really love them. Really? Jim is allergic to pecans. So he kind of like picks out the pecans and oh. Gracie just doesn't like them at all. And by the way, I mean, I've, I don't know anybody who really doesn't like them except for those two. That's so, so funny. I mean, I think, yeah, I've probably, I love them. I think they're great. Oh well, and they go with the theme for my Christmas Eve. So. They do. I will make sure that you have some by Christmas Thank Eve. You. And I will be making praline deliveries. And maybe, Emmy and I were talking about posting the praline recipe on oh, our yeah. Instagram. Yes, we will do that. So I'm, I will be interested to see if when we post it, if anyone tries to make them, if they think they're good as well. That's so cool. Okay, I'm excited. I want to try to make them. You, it's that's so easy. I'm very excited. Okay, well, so that'll, that's our. That's yeah. what we have to look forward to. Do you want to kind of explain what we're doing? Okay, so Emmy and I thought now that we are eight episodes to introduce you to some of our favorite people in Oklahoma City, and they all have different backgrounds and different stories to tell and different relationships with the city, but we haven't really told you our stories yet. And we do our little pit and peek at the beginning. And so you get a little window into our daily lives, but we haven't told you our background and our history and how we got here and how we came to love Oklahoma City and how we got together on this podcast. So we thought that on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, we would release um, me interviewing Emmy and Emmy interviewing me. So you can hear our stories. And so if you're really extra bored on <laughs> Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve and you need a little break, you can listen to our stories. And this is good. Sorry that everybody has to listen to us practice interviewing, but this this is good practice as well for us yes. to kind of put ourselves in our, the seat of our guests and then also hone in on our interviewing skills because... We definitely aren't professionals. No, yet. we're working on it. We're <laughs> we're working on it and we're really loving it. And so I will say I I made Emmy go first. So I'm yes. interviewing her first because I felt like if she interviewed me first and I wouldn't be able to get her questions out of my head. And so I'm Which honestly, Emmy like first. I'm not nervous, but it's definitely more nerve wracking being interviewed than interviewing somebody, I think. Really? Yeah. I feel like the reverse. I feel nervous interviewing okay, you. Okay, well, so we're both nervous. So we're both nervous. So that's good. We're going to get the nervous one where we're both nervous out of the way and then Perfect. we'll flip it and then Perfect. we won't be nervous after that. I love it. Well, okay, let's let's start from the beginning. Well, first, I, I was going to tell how Emmy and I know each other. I love this so much. So <laughs> when I was 18 years old, I coached the swimming team 
at the swimming pool that Emmy and I go to in the summers and that we've been going to our whole lives. And I was the swim coach and I had never really babysat in my whole life. And I really didn't particularly like children, but I was a swimmer growing up. And so my, and I had been on the swim team. And so my best friend, Lee and I, whom I've talked about on this podcast, Lee and I were swimmers and we needed summer jobs. And the, the, club had decided not they hadn't done a swim team in years and so lee and i wanted to resurrect the swim team so we went to the club and we asked them if we could coach a swim team so somehow this was before emailing and internet and you know uh texting and all that kind of stuff somehow we got the word out and we started a swim team and emmy was on our swim team and i think you were five five maybe if i was eight no no you were probably younger i was probably like 19 maybe what year was this Oh, like 92, 93, 94. So then I would have been two or three or four. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and I think maybe, okay, wait, your brother's the oldest. Yeah. So I don't remember him being on the swim team. He was. He uh, must have been. You were very memorable. Emmy was literally the cutest kid you've ever seen your entire life. And she was on the swim team. And we ended up loving coaching the swim team. And I ended up loving little kids because of that. Not like. So I ended up swimming. I love swimming. And I think because we grew up out at Lake Aluma, there was a lake in our backyard and we would jump it like every day of the summer. We were in the lake swimming. And um, then when we went to summer camp, I went to Canicook, I think once. Yes. So I went to Canicook, but I I think because I'm so tall, I ended up breaking the record for like the 100 meter dash or freestyle. Freestyle, yes. Sorry, not Emmy. dash. The wrong thing. But it's always been a regret that I didn't keep swimming. You could have been such a good swimmer. That's what I, I think my body type would have yes. been really good for swimming. And I kind of regret not like because I played basketball. In high school. Because well, you were tall, so everyone thought that's probably what right, you were supposed to do. Right, but now looking back... And volleyball, and, too, right? And volleyball, yeah. but now looking back, I'm like, I should have I should have probably stuck with swimming or done or tried that a little bit more competitively. Well, so that's, that's how Emmy and I first met. And then, of, I would say, five years, four years ago? Five years ago? So five I'm, years ago, Yeah, maybe. it would be... Well, it was... Yeah, five years ago. Five years ago, I had just bought Greta Sloan and mm-hmm. Emmy came into the shop. And of course, I remembered her from, I had seen you over the years, but yeah. I remembered her from the swim team. And we started talking and our careers had been sort of similar in a way. And then, well, we'll get to that. But so we reconnected five years ago. Yes. So now we're going to, okay. So Emmy, where were you born? I was actually born in Phoenix, Arizona. What? I know. Isn't that wild? Well, you're right, because your parents aren't from Oklahoma City. No, my dad is from Palo Alto or Menlo Park, California. And then Woodside? My, is he really from Woodside, though? Mm-hmm, he from went to Woodside, Woodside Priory. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And then my mom is from uh, Perrysburg, Ohio, which is a small town outside of Toledo. And How did they end up in Phoenix? So, I love my parents. So, my parents were engaged after seeing each other twice. What? They met on like a long weekend at Lake Tahoe with some friends. To what his friend from college was dating her friend from college, or maybe his friend from home was dating her friend from home. I can't remember. So they met on this like long weekend, I guess, fell in love like over this weekend at Lake Tahoe. And then they talked long distance for three weeks. By the way, that was expensive back then, talking long distance. That was no easy feat. I think my dad said he got a phone bill for like $200, which was, (laughs) it would be like getting a phone bill for like $2,000. Yeah, exactly. So they must have really been in love. Really been in love. And then he proposed to her when she picked him up from the airport. And then he asked her dad like for her hand that trip too. So they were engaged. And then she said yes? Uh Uh-huh. And yeah, so like- How long after that did they get married? A year later. Oh my God. So it was like, I think it was like either five or six weeks between their first meeting to them being engaged. And then a year later, they were married. Okay. So did your dad live in Palo Alto? Where did he live? No, he lived in Seattle. And where'd your mom live then? And she lived in Perrysburg. Actually, yeah, she was back in Perrysburg. She okay. was in Philadelphia for a minute, and but I think oh, she I was. Love Philadelphia. Yeah, she was a paralegal in Philadelphia. Okay, and so then she moved to Seattle when they got married. Yes, so they moved to Seattle, and then they moved to. Oh gosh, I'm, I hope I get this right. They moved to Seattle, and then they moved to Omaha, and then they moved to Florida, then they moved to Atlanta. Had my brother, then they moved to Phoenix. Had me moved here. Had my sister. Okay, so why after all those times of traveling and or not traveling but moving all over the place. 
why did they decide to stay in Oklahoma City? Well, so my dad's like family company is trucking. And so Oklahoma City is kind of the middle of the country. So because it was a national trucking company, they kind of moved headquarters here, I think, to be centrally located is kind of the what I've been told. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, and they must have ended up loving Oklahoma City. You know, over I, the years, I they finally got was, there. So when they moved here, people would thank them. They'd be like, thank you for moving here because they moved in 1990. So I only lived in Phoenix oh for six weeks okay. of my little life <laughs> before <laughs> I moved. So I, I was born there, but I, I was, you know, raised It's a cool here. fact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so... I think that they fell in love with the people. I think that they were able to make some really great friends first. And then the city, as we all know, over the last 30 years has really just grown, grown, grown. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I think if I didn't live here, I always wonder if they would. I don't know. It's just for them. I feel like this place is more about us than it is about them, if that makes sense. I yeah. mean, they they do have some wonderful friends and I think my dad's businesses, he's now owned a lot of different types of businesses. And while I I know he would have been successful anywhere in the country, I feel like in Oklahoma City, it was really pertinent that we were here. Um, Also, I think our education, things like that, I can't imagine us being anywhere else. So did you go to Cassidy from the beginning? Uh, Yes. Well, I guess you're not supposed to say it anymore, but I'm a lifer. I'm a lifer, I guess. Is that discriminating to the people who aren't lifers, I guess? That's that's what I was just recently told by somebody who works there. Where does it end? I mean, come on, people. I don't know. But yeah, I was there pre-K through 12th grade. Well, you know what? I feel discriminated against because I'm not a lifer. (laughs) And they act like, I, even though I went there from second grade through sophomore year, sometimes they act like I didn't even go there because I didn't actually graduate from there. Well, okay, so... What was it like growing up? You have two siblings and you guys were all like Cassidy and you were, what were you, what were you doing? what did you guys, were you as busy? Did your parents keep you busy the way they keep themselves busy now? I get the feeling there wasn't a lot of sitting around. No, we never sat around. There was no TV watching. We were definitely always super active uh, because there were three of us. My mom basically was like, you guys get to choose one sport a season. She's like, I'm not doing multiple sports a season with three kids. I don't think it, yeah. um, (laughs) I don't think it physically would have been possible for her to drop us off. So um, I did Ballet Oklahoma. Me too. For a long time. But then I ended up giving it up because I wanted to do other sports, which was. Were you in the Nutcracker? I was. What were you? I was a soldier twice. Oh, I never made it to the soldier level. Oh, well, I see, never got promoted that far. Were you an angel? And I never was an angel. I was a party boy, oh. a party girl, <laughs> okay, and a Paula Chanel. But they don't call them that anymore. They now it's oh, the gingerbread yeah. people. Gingerbread but people. the soul when I was in it, the soldiers were a big deal. Like you had to be like a few levels up for me to be a soldier. See, and I think it's reverse. It was reversed when I did it 20 years ago. So a soldier and an angel was were oh. the bottom, the youngest kids, and then the party people were, were older. I did love it. I loved going down to the Civic Center. And, I did too. I mean, I think it's different now, but our parents just dropped us off and you just ran, you had like full run of the Civic Center for weeks on end during practice. I love I'm that. I'm like getting these memories. So, I mean, my mom is probably my best friend, honestly. <laughs> Which, <laughs> uh, oh but God, it would be so really cute. sweet because she would take me to my performance and she would sit through the whole thing. And oh. then afterwards we go eat dinner at Terra Luna. Remember Terra Luna? Yes, but you know, I didn't live here really during the Terra Luna oh, days. Okay. And so it was kind of one of the first healthy restaurants in Oklahoma yeah, City. Yeah, so we would go eat at Terra Luna after every night. Oh. Or she'd take me to... Uh, Okay, where Osteria is now, it was like, what was it called? Oh, Ground Floor Cafe. Ground Floor oh, Cafe. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You know what? I If I could sort of, on my list of businesses, like re-imagine. I would like to start. Yes, reimagine Ground Floor and have like Ground Floor Cafe married with Queen Anne's Cafeteria. <gasps> oh, into my gosh. One, like as your kids get older and, you know, you do sports, and yes. so you will want a place to go where it's not obscenely expensive. They can have a vegetable and you go through a line and it's easy. But it's not like cowboy chicken or whatever. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, so that's what I'm on my list of businesses oh, to start. Wait, but I love Ground Floor Cafe. I, that's a great idea. I know. Let's talk about that. In okay. Can, okay. We'll just keep starting businesses. I was say. <laughs> well, okay. So then let's talk about high school. How was high school? What were you, what did you love growing up? What were your passions? What, what got you ex- excited? So I actually loved high school. 
Um, I did too. Yeah. I loved it all. I did. And I, I think that I had like each year of high school for me though was very different. I think that freshman year, I was definitely a little bit more timid. Sophomore year was kind of when I started going out much more social. I wasn't really taking school as seriously. And so the summer between my fr- sophomore and oh, I just heard this junior year, my parents sent me into our bound and it was not rehab. Like my little sister told everybody <laughs> um, between my sophomore and junior year. I think sophomore year, I, I did gain a lot of confidence. I feel like physically I was like becoming less awkward. I mean, I was like 5'10 and my, I just, I think I looked more like a woman. Like I remember going to Shogun and like ordering a beer and I didn't even get carded because I looked like a 21 year old (laughs) at 16. So I just think I had sophomore year. I kind of came into my own a little bit more and then it kind of went like, I was not very sweet to my parents. I was ungrateful, like all the bad stuff. Um, yeah, a typical felt, teenager thing. Yeah. Wasn't. Like I was acting entitled, um, which is not who I am. I feel like, I feel like I'm a very, I can be a very sweet person, especially to my parents. But so they sent me on hour bound to basically like, <laughs> I mean, we, we hiked 75 miles over two weeks in Colorado. I mean, I didn't even look in a mirror. I was telling you, I, I saw myself in the mirror for the first time. It was weird, but it was so wonderful. So I kind of came back from that a little bit of a changed teenager. Like, although it was crazy because during that experience, like physically, I was in like the best shape. So when I came back, I it was right before junior year. And I just felt really good, like mental clarity, physical, you know, like all that yeah. good stuff. So I think junior Being year. Being outdoors. Yeah, being outdoors is amazing. Change a person. For sure. For, for sure. Um, and so my junior year was awesome. Like it was great. And it's so funny because I was like telling you how I was a C student, but my mom just gave me all these grades and they were all A's and B's. Like I completely forgot. Why did you have in your head that you were a C student? I don't know. Cause that's just like, I guess in my mind who I thought I was. And I actually kind of got teary because Mr. Bottomley, he had, he had written, you know, on my grades, like kind of who I was as a person. And it was very, Which is way more important than what your grades say. Obviously. Yeah. And it was, it was very sweet and it was very encouraging and it was very like, you know, she can kind of do anything. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I just, right. well, I think that honestly, had I not done our bound, I would have gone into junior year still thinking I was the greatest thing walking and, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had all that stuff. So, and then I think that one of the best things about growing up, going to the same school was by senior year, like those people were my family. They I were mean, cheering you on. I think, yeah. do think that's a really wonderful thing about that. They they had a vested interest in your happiness and your success. And even my peers. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I never dated any of the guys in my grade. And so they felt very brotherly. Um, and I did have my older brother in the grade above me. Like, it just felt, it felt really good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like senior, I think junior year was great. Senior year was great too because I had figured I'd started working at Route 66 and I'd figured out, okay, I want to be in fashion. Well, okay, so let's discuss your figuring out you want to be in fashion. Yeah. Well, so when Emmy's mom was telling me the story about Outward Bound the other day, I was saying, how did you get her on the airplane? And her mom said that you told her that you would only go on Outward Bound if you could have like the real deal, like outdoorsy stuff, like the North Face and the da 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 Like you laid down the law and you said, I'll go on this dumb Outward Bound thing, but I'm going to look cute doing it. Yeah. So you, you obviously were into fashion from the beginning. Yeah, I think... I mean, honestly, yeah, my whole life, whenever I saved my money, I was buying clothes. How did you find the clothes before we had the internet? And we were in Oklahoma City. So that was sort of one of the problems growing up. There was no... Well, so when I was nine, my mom and I would drive down to Dallas and take a shopping day probably once a year. And we would say shop till you drop. We literally wouldn't stop for lunch or very... Like we we would get to... Um, the Galleria at 10 a.m. Because the gallery used to be awesome. Uh-huh. That's where and you we went. would not leave till five. Like we had, when we were, and my sister hated us because we we didn't want to do anything but shop. And I think she's like, also again, why she's one of my best friends is because we can have shopping days together where we like, we are shopping all day long. And I really like COVID has really put 
a damper on that. Um, but yeah, and that's kind of retail. I've always loved retail. Um, so I worked at Route 66 and Jeanette was quite a boss. If anybody knows her, the owner of Route 66, she she's just a different person. She just has a different outlook on life. She taught me. So every item in Route 66 had a story behind it. So we sold these earrings that had that were made up the, of this recycled paint, but it was the paint from that bridge that used to be oh, over Western yes. that you probably painted that we on. Painted, yes. And so it's like every like I knew how to explain the Bedray chocolate and how and before Burt's Bees was bought by Clorox, I knew every item on the Burt's Bees uh, skincare line, and I understood the ingredients. Like she taught me that selling and is more than just selling you know what i mean it mm-hmm. was about the story, the behind, story behind and she also basically made us be tour guides through her store and i honestly have that experience didn't scare me away from retail like nothing was going to <laughs> so i knew i knew i wanted to do fashion um which led me to tcu and fashion merchandising so how did you fa- so i always knew i wanted to do fashion now i'm i'm seven 16 years older than you are but when I was growing up, there was, I mean, that was it. You went to New York to shop. You really didn't even go to Dallas to shop. The shopping in Dallas wasn't that great when I, you went to New York. And yeah. so how did you know that TCU had this fashion merchandising school? Did Cassidy help you figure that out? Because that wasn't even a thing. And I'm kind of jealous. So Mr. Bottomley, Coach Bottomley, Josh Bottomley, um, he works for Cassidy, still there. Wonderful person. Um, he knew I wanted to do fashion. I had heard that Alabama had a really good fashion program because of uh, Katie Veely. She she was my intern at NACA. Yeah, I forgot about that. So she she had done really well at Alabama in their fashion program. And so I looked at Alabama. And so Mr. Bottomley has an adopted son from Africa. And he's just very conscious of social things. And he told me, and I'll never forget this. He's like, Emmy, you're not going to like Alabama. And I said, why? And he's like, I think there are some social issues there that you are not going to be comfortable with. He was like, I know the type of person you are. I know that you're in a very accepting person. He was like, I do not think that going through rush at Alabama, you're going to be comfortable with some of the conversations going on. And while I don't want to stereotype because I know some wonderful people who've gone to Alabama, he was completely right because we get there and they are rioting because the homecoming queen is black. Yes, I could and see how that would be disturbing. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, he hit that right on the head for me. Like I just, my personality and that sort of stuff, just, I can't, I just, I don't. So um, kind of once <laughs> I figured out that that was, maybe not the right fit. He said, you need to look at TCU. I said, I'm not going to TCU. It's too close. I need to and get... at the time, it wasn't... I mean, now TCU is the hottest school, I feel right. like, almost in the country. I mean, it's like what, say, Vanderbilt was 20 years totally. ago. Totally, yeah. It wasn't that necessarily then, no, was and it? No, it, it didn't seem very um, polished to me, which sounds weird saying out loud, but it just seemed like kind of the, you know, B-minus students who want a smaller, who want a football team, but not a state school. Like that's where they went in my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm completely wrong because it was wonderful, but, and I was like, Fort Worth is too close. I literally was like, that's too close. Like you yeah. need, I need an airplane between me oh. and myself and Oklahoma mm-hmm. city. So I went down and visited, of course, fell in love. Um, and I just figured, I was like, this actually would be a really good transition from, Oklahoma City to Fort Worth. I mean, they're very similar, but different enough. I knew I'd be meeting a lot of new people. Um, so that's kind of, it was the best decision I ever made. Did anyone from your class at Cassidy go to TCU as well? There were five just, of us. Oh, there were. Okay. See, that's why I'm saying it was like a, it was becoming more popular. Mm-hmm. Like it, in, I think in the past it was like, oh, you didn't get into SMU. Oh, you can go to TCU. And it's definitely not it's that definitely anymore. It's, it has a totally different feel. feel for sure. Yeah. Okay, so you get to TCU. You're in the fashion merchandising school. I can't believe you got to study that in school. It like, was that amazing. to me, yeah, is the ultimate. If I was going to go back to school, I mean, now I've had, you know, I've studied basically in life that. But how did you feel? How were the people in the program with you? The program were you in the was, right. Did you feel like you were in the right place? Yes, it was very small. So the <laughs> the fashion program was teeny. It was in the old weight room. 
So the old football Stop. weight room. One, you had one room for the. Well, it was like a built, you know, like it, it was a pretty, it wasn't a big building, but there were probably four classrooms and they, tra- they, the old weight room. So it used to be a huge open space. They just put up walls and that was the fashion building. <laughs> oh my, I bet it's bigger now. I don't I'm sure think so. It, you don't? Mm-mm. I, I don't like think so. And all of us would joke, we're like, once we make it, we'll, you know, we're going to give money back yes, to this place. Yes, yes. Which, yeah. But it was great because it was next to the police. Uh, the TCU police was right next door. So, oh, so I came out late at night after projects. Mm-hmm. You were it was super safe. Um, but I, yeah. So I, there were about 35 of us, maybe 40, who all kind of were in the same classes together and all graduated together. Um, I mean, it, I could cry thinking about graduating with them because we did all go through it together. And I think because it was a sort of newer program, there were some hiccups. Um, There were some professors who weren't great, but then there were some professors who were amazing. Like it, it was awesome being in such a small program because... The dean of the program was the te- uh, the professor of like three or four of my classes. So she knew That's us. That's unusual. You really get to know yeah. that person. And I would have never gotten my internship at Bergdorf's had it not been for TCU. Okay. So tell me, so what? when did you start doing internships? Because I didn't do one until after my junior year in college. When did you well, so basically, have your first internship? So I, after freshman year of college, I went home and worked for Route 66 that summer. Um, and then the next summer, my mom and dad said that they would let me do an unpaid internship. So I went to LA, um, and I did an unpaid internship for a showroom out there. I realized- Is the showroom still there? What showroom? It was Lori Hassan showroom. She- I don't know if it's still there. So before Nanette Lepore got big, she had Nanette. Before Trina Turk got big, she had Trina. Before she had Rachel Pally, uh, Corey Lynn Coulter, who ended up going in-house for anthropology- she kind of launched the career. Like that's kind of who she was sort of known as is this launcher of these women. So I worked for her. I realized I hated LA. I was not LA a fan. A, yeah, no, it's, it's a um, tough place. I mean, uh, yeah, it just, well, and it's I, so spread out. Well, that's what I don't like about it. Yeah. And I was living in studio city, commuting to downtown. It just, it, it was a tough summer. I unfortunately had this awful boyfriend back in, middle of nowhere, Texas, like, you know, it just like, there was a, there was a, there were a lot of factors that were not making me happy there. Um, Looking back, I don't know if I still would have been happy had I not had other things pulling me other places. But um, so then the next summer we were required to have an internship for our program. So I knew I wanted to do New York. The whole plan was honestly to graduate and go to New York. And had I not met my husband, I, <laughs> you would have done that. Well, I, you know, the summer in New York was eye opening. I mean, New York is a tough city. I've spent a lot of summers in New York. Yeah. It's really a tough city. And I, Bergdorf's was tough. Yeah. It was. And I was in a buying intern. And I kind of realized like buying maybe wasn't my strong suit, um, which I find that interesting. I think that you would. I was good at be really good. at. I was good at curation. I was not good at spreadsheets. Oh, God, I love a spreadsheet. so much. This is why we make a good team. Yeah, I could make a spreadsheet all day. I can edit all day long. Like if you show me 120 pieces of clothing and you say pick 20, I could do it in 15 minutes. It might take me 30. I'm not quite as fast at it. But, but I feel like my my brain is good at that. Like yeah. the formulation of dresses to tops to skirts to pants. Yes. Like that in my mind makes sense. What, doing it on a spreadsheet, I have a really tough time with. Um, I also think that the girls in my program, I actually still talk to two of them and they're wonderful. But for the most part, so the first day of my internship everybody stands up and they go around and, you know, it's like, hi, I'm so-and-so from Tulane or you Penn or uh, Indiana. And I stand up. I'm like, hi, I'm Emmy Roush from Texas Christian University. Oh, and it's like all these girls you are just like, said TCU, oh, the Christian part out of it, maybe. And I was wearing like a pink polka dotted dress and like oh, makeup. That's tough. And, that's tough in New York City. Yeah. And all of them were in their whole black. And one of them had on their Chanel suit. I was like, all right, maybe I should tone it down. And I'm like 5'10", and they're all... It's just like I could not have stuck out more 
of a different, and then I'll never forget. So each Thursday, the executives from Bergdorf's came and spoke to us. And one of them was like talking about, she used to, her family owned Stanley Korshak in Dallas. And she goes, starts basically ragging on Dallas and ragging on particularly women in Texas. She's like, yeah, these women with this highlighted hair and all this eyeliner and this lipstick and like, all my friends kind Start of glance at, at me and I'm like, here I am. Yeah, like <laughs> from Texas. Yeah. So it definitely, uh, it was a great experience in the sense of like, I learned a lot. But Where did you live that summer? I lived in Greenwich Village. Gotcha. Um, so it was and quite- you took the subway every day? Yes. I had to change trains in Times Square. Oh, I had to do the same thing in my first job in New York. I had to go the six- to the shuttle to the one or something. I had to go three times. See, I, I had to go, go like from, from Grand Central to Times Square. I think I had I to go every second of it. the red line to the L. I oh. think, right? I, I don't know. know. I don't know what happens when you get in the middle right there. Oh, There's all those like random yeah. lines. I chose Bergdorf strategically knowing that they were owned by Neiman Marcus so that if I hated New York, I could go to Dallas or I could at least have an in in Dallas. So at the end of your internship, so at the end of my summer internship, they offered you a job or they didn't offer you a job. Did they, could you get offered a job at Bergdorf's at the end? What was the goal? Did you have to re-interview at Neiman's? So the way that it worked at Bergdorf's was because the team there is so small, you had to wait for an opening. There was, so actually in the group that I interned, an opening happened that fall. So this girl who had interned before me got it because gotcha. she had graduated. She had been there the summer before mm-hmm. you gotcha. And so that was another thing too. It's like, okay, I either and I knew which buyers were great. And those assistant jobs never came open because their assistants loved them. And that's the thing is like I I did see an opening for one of the buyers, but this woman was a nightmare. Yeah. And I was, and I, you know, I, I saw her go through like three assistants my summer there and I was like, I'm not signing up to move to a new city. And then, uh, yeah. So that was a good choice. You know, I think that you sort of knew yourself well enough to know what you wanted and what you didn't want. You know, I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of one of my personality traits I'm most thankful for is I do have a good sense of who I am. And I feel like I've kind of been the same person pretty much my whole life. Um, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but no, I mean, uh, I don't I think know. It helps you make sound decisions. For I, sure. I hope people in my life, when they tell me something new, kind of know exactly how I'm going to react. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's maybe, I don't think I'm a mystery in those sorts of ways. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah. so you get it's senior year. Everybody in your program probably wants a job at Neiman's. And I was the only one who got it. Emmy. Not to be an a-hole, awesome. but <laughs> all of these girls were bragging about their interviews and none of them got hired. And it was honestly by senior year, it was so competitive in our program. And I probably had the lowest GPA <laughs> of you know anybody in my program. And I ended up getting the job. And I'm not saying that, again, to be arrogant. I just... I don't think the grades are everything. I think that especially for fashion, if you go out and work your butt off, you will get the job because there were so many people looking out for me that I didn't even know because they were a friend of a friend from Bergdorf's or they were somebody's cousin at Bergdorf's. Like it was, it was But it wasn't just that. It was that they knew that if they stuck their neck out for you, they knew the kind of job you were going to do. And they, they trusted you they knew what kind of person you were nobody's sticking their neck out for someone they don't think is going to do a good job i think that the the difference i don't think that my work at bergdorf's was necessarily phenomenal i think that my my whole team could rely on the fact that i showed up every morning i had a smile on my face i had offered them to go get coffee like i think that having no i didn't have any sense of like I'm too good for any of this because you're not. I mean, there's everybody has to start somewhere. Yeah. And I remember the interns who I thought were so chic, like the one in the Chanel suit, she would like, you know, roll in 10 minutes late, have an attitude. It's just, I think that having a good attitude goes such a long way. And if you are a joy to work with, you will get hired. I 100% agree. Yeah. I think that that's kind of what, I mean, I messed up a couple spreadsheets and I thought, oh my gosh, the the girl that I work for at Bergdorf's was awesome. But um, I literally thought she was going to kill me one day. But 
I said I was sorry. I wasn't trying to make excuses and I, I fixed it. I mean, that's, you know, like yeah. that's kind of kind of what I feel like that's why I ended up getting hired. So I worked for Neiman's for what group did you go to at Neiman's? What would you? So I first worked at the Fort Worth store, which that was hell. Is on that wheels. where everybody had to start out? No, no, you could go directly into corporate. Okay. I just, that was the opening and I was going to take it. Okay. And that's another thing too, is like, I don't know if the girls in my program thought that they were too good to work in a store, but I knew that's the only way I was getting in. Um, working retail was crazy, especially because I was a merchandise coordinator, which that title does not exist anymore. What, what does that mean at the it's essentially level? Like the gopher of the store. Like you are just going to do your, I was at, in cusp, which is like, Oh their, yeah. The little, yeah. The, it's, which also it's I like the shack. It's the yeah, shack. yeah. But it's I like don't think cusp cool... exists anymore either. I think it's oh, it just contemporary, well. but it's barely exists, but yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh, <laughs> but, Neiman's. Um, but yeah, so I, so the crazy thing is while I was there for a year, I went through three different managers and I had to uh, basically manage the staff, which was hysterical because there were all these. Because you like, were 23. Yeah. 20. Yes. And there was, I mean, there were women there with million dollar, million dollar books who had been there for, you know, 40 years and I'm supposed to tell them what to do. It was such a learning experience. Um and and I was telling them what to do, and I was making like fourteen dollars an hour. Like, and they knew that you're making fourteen dollars an hour, and they probably weren't that happy about it. So you really had to figure out how to do the job in those circumstances. Neiman's is very political, um, so I learned quickly what that meant, and I learned like not everybody has best interest for you. It was, I mean. Thankfully, I was able to go to Neiman's online and I worked for actually Bergdorfgoodman.com was my first job. And um, I was the assistant site manager or site merchandiser for Bergdorf.com. And that was wonderful because then I ended up connecting with all my old Bergdorf's oh, interns. Right. Like they had all gotten or a lot of them had gotten assistant buying jobs. So then they I was working with them again, even though I was in Dallas. So that was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing about Neiman's is I never, I've always felt like I was getting pushed back. There was never anybody encouraging to go forward. And so I think by the end, I was like, I'm done. You know, that's really interesting that you say that because, I mean, I think we're aware of sort of the fate of Neiman's at the moment. When you think about it, had there been a different culture? Yes, they would be in in much Could they be in a different place? And so they may have all the right clothes and all the right buildings and the right catalogs and the but if you don't have the right culture, I think that you can't. You're not going to be as successful. If I don't know, I, I mean, I've heard yeah. that from a lot of people about, about Neiman's. Yeah, meet Jeff and your husband in college. Yeah, which was totally unplanned. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, even my parents, I tell them I'm not getting married till I'm like 35. I don't want to have children, which is hilarious now. Because you're such a good mom. Well, and I had two kids before I'm 30. It's like okay, um, but, you'll be done quickly, and then you can, you know, yeah, but go it out just and like the world. Uh, that is. I mean, before I said, you know, I I feel like I've kind of been the same person. If any part of myself has changed, it was that mindset of getting married and having kids. I just, I always thought I would have a career in fashion and be in New York or even Dallas. And I didn't think I'd meet my soulmate. And we did. And, you know, it's, TC was funny. It's like the first week I got there, I met this girl in my home. Morgan, she's actually really sweet, but she was like, oh my gosh, Emmy, did you know the ratio to girls to guys at TCU is like 60-40? So none of us are ever going to have boyfriends. And I'm like, Morgan, I don't care. So I'm here. Yeah, exactly. And so then when I did meet him in college, I'm like, oh my God. Like, Why? Why didn't this be five years later? Yes, exactly. Literally, I think that that, and that's honestly why we didn't date right away because he was a freshman and I was a sophomore and I was like, I'm not dating a freshman boy. Like I'm not signing up for this. Jim's the year below me too. Actually now he's two years below me. So, you know, I'm the older woman. I don't know. I mean, it was accidental, but it was wonderful. And honestly, like we were, when we met, he was just so wonderful and still is, but we were just so like, you know, hat and (laughs) fat and happy and drunk and loving life. And just like, oh my God, it was the best. (laughs) Like those are, we those literally, are fun years. we literally gave like 
40 pounds together. <laughs> you know what? You were having because fun. Because we were just like, yeah. I mean, we were, and then, I mean, we move in together at 22. Right after college? Yeah. What did your that? parents think about that? My parents cool with it. I mean, they weren't like... Your parents pretty progressive. Well, they... I don't think my... They would, did not love the idea, but I think that they knew that we would be getting engaged. So, we got engaged when Jeff was 22, I was 23, married when he was 24, I was 25. Wait. Oh gosh. Yeah. No, no. He... I was 24 and then... He was 23? Mm-hmm. That's what my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, they, they did the same. They met in college. Yeah. Same thing. She's a year older and they... I think they they didn't move in together right away. At some point, they did move in together. Well, but. so I worked for Neiman's for a year in the Fort Worth store, and he was still at TCU finishing up. And then we both moved to Dallas. I was went to go work for a corporate. He went to go work for an energy company, and he was go- buying a house. And we both looked at each other like, why would I pretend pay to rent pay else. rent at like an extremely... Yeah, and we were just like, you know what? We're going to do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, we definitely have people in our lives who were like, this is crazy, but to us, it just like we, it wasn't like, we just, I mean, we were there. It's probably less crazy in Texas than it would have been had you been in New York or LA or, yeah. I mean, I think people tend to get married a little younger. Yeah. First, well, we were the first out of all of our friends. Oh, you were? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we, I mean, I still have a girlfriend getting married this year. So, and we will have been married for almost six years. Okay. So I mean, 30. I our, 30 our wedding was show because oh, because it was the first one. Yes. Oh, that's the best wedding. My friend Kathleen was the first one to get married. She got married basically at Georgetown I mean, and it was all of the bridesmaids and groomsmen. they just pounced on each other. It was like, nobody knew what, like how to act. It was just like, <laughs> literally Catherine on Very my memorable. wedding day, my wedding planner brought me the seating chart for my head table and was like, who do you need to move? And I had had based gr- on what happened last uh-huh, night. Uh huh. And, and were there people to move? Oh, there were <laughs> lots of people to move and some people didn't want to see each other. Some uh-uh. people did want to see each other. Actually, my sister and her husband. I was going to say, did anyone That's meet? where they met. Okay. Get so married. my there we sister go. met her husband at her Because wedding. her husband is Jeff's like, godbrother, maybe? Yeah. Best family. Yeah. It's a little great incestuous. Stuff, it's all in the yeah. family. Oh, it's all. <laughs> I love that. It's all in the family. Okay. So you guys lived in Fort Worth when you got married, then Dallas. And Dallas. Oh, he bought the house in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So then how many years had you been married before you moved to Oklahoma City? We, Probably not We that got long. married in July and we moved in August, October. Okay, so did you look at Jeff and say, oh, we're moving to Oklahoma City? How did you guys come so to that conclusion? he was at his job in Dallas. He worked for the local utility. Um, and I think he just knew he could make a lot more money doing something else. Um, and for energy, it was kind of either Houston or here. And I think for us, we were like, we don't want to be far away from family. I mean, Houston's not... Kind of... Yeah, it's... Far, five hours from Yeah, four, it's... Five hours yeah. from, yeah, five hours from Fort Worth and eight from here. And so I was like, let's just look at Oklahoma City. He applied for a job and got it like immediately. So um, he got that job and we were like, all right, so is this happening? And so, and then it was wild because we looked at houses and this house on my parents' street that I was obsessed with growing up was... I drove past it this morning. I oh, love that And house. I said to the girls, I was like, I wonder who bought Emmy's house. I hope they love it. Um, it's like a young couple. They're really <sighs> cute. Um, so, yeah, we just like, it all kind of just fell into place. And it wasn't very premeditated. I mean, we had, we we actually had come back to visit, you know, over Christmas, over Easter. And every time we came back, Oklahoma City was like a little bit cooler and cooler. And we still have friends, I mean, um, lived here and they loved it. And so... I just think for us, Houston just seemed too big. Dallas was honestly a little bit too big. It all kind of made sense for us to move back. Um, And it all happened really organically, which I think was also like a big sign that that was kind of how it was was going to be. be. Yeah. So. So you get to Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. I don't know how long after you were in Oklahoma City, you came into Greta. Not that long. I think like, well, I think it maybe even before I moved because I was working. So I left Neiman's and went to a startup called Luxury Garage Sale. Oh, right. I forgot. I always forget about this. I forget that was the reason that you. I know because I I was only with them for like eight months. Um, Honestly, I was so desperate to get out of Neiman's. I was just like, get me out of here. Um, And honestly, so it was a luxury consignment company. Um, I was the, oh my God, why am I? I was like the consignment relations person, I think. 
or something like that. Yeah. But I was coming to Oklahoma City to get overstock from boutiques. So I came into Greta oh, that's right. I, to get your overstock. Oh yeah. And we did. We, we sent it to Luxury mm-hmm. Restaurant. I think they sold a I, lot. I mean... I, I think that, unfortunately, the real real has kind of taken, taken that market. Over, yeah. um, I mean, I think Luxury Garage Sale is still a great company. It was honestly working for a startup was amazing to I, I was excited to work for a startup just to see how you build a business. Um, and I think the founders did a really good job. But unfortunately, that business kind of outgrew them. And then I think some leadership decisions were made that probably weren't the right ones. It's kind of sounds like. I also like. think the real real sort of got economies of scale that maybe yes. luxury garage sale yes. didn't get. They were the real well, real is more first to market, and luxury garage sale could never catch up. And I think I think luxury garage sale was was um, focusing more on brick and mortar, whereas real real was focusing. Oh, because they had the shop in mm-hmm. Dallas, and I think that that's where they messed up. Not necessarily messed up, but that's where real real really took off. Is that. The real real has done their online business and now they're doing pop-ups in cities. And that's kind of what you don't have the real estate commitment. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, so I came into Greta and then actually kind of while I was working for Luxury Garage Sale, we moved here and they let me kind of stay on as like a freelancer for a little bit, but it wasn't working. There wasn't enough inventory coming out of Oklahoma City. I mean, women here don't carry Birkin bags no, like they, they don't do in have Dallas. The kind of and wardrobes they do in Dallas. Honestly, and boutiques, there aren't as many boutiques. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's t- the. I think that a small consignment store would be great. A good one, like I think Oklahoma City probably actually does need that. Actually, at Rose Gold, they have a consignment section now. Oh, they do? Yes. And this cute girl, Katie Rothmel, Rothermel, she runs it for okay. Amber, who owns Rose Gold. So I haven't been in, but oh, yeah, Katie's really either. wonderful. And she used to own a boutique in like, I don't know, Michigan or somewhere. Okay. And so, she, so we should go in there. We need to go in there. Yeah. 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 Because I think that, I think that Oklahoma City consisted, I don't know if they could have five years right. ago. Um, so then my mom and I were in talks with the scout guide. How did you decide to do the scout guide? Because we just saw it in other cities and loved it. And, lo- and you, so you sought them out. Yes. Yeah, so we okay. thought that they just hired editors. We didn't know it'd be us buying the franchise. So I'm like 25 buying this franchise with my mom. So that was a little wild. It's really brave. Well, I, it's just like my parents have always owned their own businesses. And so I, I just kind of thought, I mean, my dad, I remember I was in like eighth grade. He's like, Emmy, look around. Your friend's parents are either doctors, lawyers, or own their own businesses. That's exactly how it was for me. And I was like, you're right. And so I always thought that that's what you do. You are a doctor, you're a lawyer, or you own your own business, meaning you're, you, you aren't relying on a paycheck from somebody else is kind of what I thought. And that's um, really how it was when I was growing up as yeah. well. I think that's changed in Oklahoma City now, but yeah. those were the job options. I mean, totally. I mean, I think if you wanted to make more than what you could be paid, right? Like right. that was kind of always my mindset. But so we bought the scout guide. My mom did it with me for two years and then I did it on my own for two years. And then kind of through COVID, I decided to stop um, which was like a hard decision. Well, really, that was sort of, so we did, you came in to ask about luxury garage sale. I remember that yeah. I had coached you on the swim team. And yeah. then you, on the way out the door, I will rem- I'll always remember this. Somehow you said, well, I'm kind of working on this other project. And oh, I'll yeah. come and tell you about it. I think my mom and I are going to start a scout guide. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding? I mean, I don't know what what kind of response you expected from me, but I said, oh my God, I've always wanted a scout guide in Oklahoma City. So my a really good friend of mine that didn't go to Georgetown, but that was at sort of around Georgetown when I was there with, he knew some other friends of ours. His sister-in-law is the one who started it. So I had known, and I used to work for him mm-hmm. in a company that he had. So I had always known about it since the beginning. And so- I had watched it grow. And so I was well, so you were, excited. You were my first, you were our first contract. And so right then and there, I yeah. said, I'm in. Yeah. I, I didn't even like ask the price. Real, I'm a really good business person. <laughs> I just said, I mean, I'm in. I, I want to be in the scout guide. Because I had, as a retail shop owner, I really wanted a publication like that, that, that I knew that my ad would be sitting next to other ads that I could be proud of. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons I don't want to be in all these other publications. I don't need some ad that I spent a ton of money creating and making it beautiful and making it brand appropriate. And then it's next to like some, can I say the word? 
you can bleep it out, can't you, Richard? Some <laughs> shit ad that that didn't look good next to my ad. So I, I just yeah, the Scout Guy was awesome for a lot of reasons. I learned a lot about owning my own business, obviously, but also aesthetically, I really honed in on my editorial skills in the sense of like when you're looking at a photograph, kind of picking out the things that are important. How do you highlight things? How do you send a message without words? Um, all of those things. So I loved that experience. I think though it got to where it was becoming more ad salesy and less about the creative part of the book. And that's when I kind of was like, I'm good. Yeah. Cause you <laughs> love the creative piece of it and you liked the relationships you had with yeah, all of I, your Honestly, all of the businesses in the guide customers. are those people. You're I still mean, friends with all of them. Yeah. I mean, you still know them. Yeah. And- I mean, they, those business owners, I, are wonderful. And while they were paying for that space, they were there because they, I thought they were the best of the best. I mean, that was the whole point of the guide was to create a curated lifestyle publication that didn't have editorial content because what would drive me nuts is in other publications, I would see somebody take out an ad and then next to it would be an article about a competitor that the competitor may or may not have paid or for. Or it's the reverse. Yeah. They only write articles about the from paying ads. Exactly. And is, so where, and you can't trust that either. Right. So Scout Guide was very transparent on the fact that like, these are all paid for, but it looks beautiful. Um, and I definitely use it when I go to other cities, too. Well, I'm in I New still, Orleans. I look at the Scout Guide. Yeah. I'm in Austin. I look at the Scout Guide. And oh, New Orleans and Austin are two of my favorites. Those editors are my favorites. Um, I mean, and that's another thing, too. It was awesome to be part of a network of 60-plus editors across the country who all had the same mission of helping small business. Happy to have brought the Scout Guide here. Um, hopefully, it'll be bought by somebody soon. If somebody wants to buy it, yeah, please send us a message. Because um, the Instagram. mission of it is wonderful. It's just the ad sales part I was not great at. So I think it could be a great job for somebody who loves OKC for sure. Well, so, okay. So now you have two children and now you have moved on to a, I guess would be your, now on to your fourth career sort of since college. You had Neiman's, then you had luxury garage sale, then you had the scout guide. And now we host a podcast. I know it's wild. It's wild. It's an interesting journey. I think it makes a lot of sense though. I think so. I remember calling my mom crying when I was at Neiman's and being like, did I make a mistake of making my passion, my career talking about fashion? Like, is this just meant to be something that brings me joy? And I think for that's why I've kind of taken a pause with that. You know, I think that kind of finding a different, a different stride, something else that brings me joy. And so champion in Oakland, I mean, championing Oklahoma city has been kind of now my full-time job. And I think it really comes naturally to you. And I think it does to me. I, yeah, I feel like though, you know, I was so like Cassidy school, for instance, I think Cassidy gets a rep for being super rigorous, right? Well, here I am, a dyslexic person who had the best experience there. And I mean, yes, there were challenges in first grade. It was definitely hard when I could barely (laughs) read. But, you know, I just I think that you and I see the good in a lot of things going on. And I think it's easy for us to say, I think we believe in like the people behind these places. And Cassidy is one of those where it's like, Nathan Sheldon has done a wonderful Josh Bottomley, who I've mentioned multiple times. Like these people have made huge impacts on my life. And um, I don't know, I, I will continue to champion them. And I think even like my good girlfriends from high school would tell you, like, I'm loyal. And I think you are yes. too. So I, what what okay, so let's let's ask you the two oh, final yeah. questions. Okay, okay. So you grew up here, you moved away for let's say eight years. Mm-hmm. And now you've been home for five. Yeah. You've been home for five. So your experience growing up in Oklahoma City in a way was sort of similar to mine, right? None of the things that have happened in the past 10 years I think happened when, yeah, when, you when were I here. left for college, it was starting. It was kind of starting, right? But yeah. people still were probably still going to Flips. Mm-hmm. as like the, you know, or I don't know, Bricktown uh, Brewery. What, 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 no, no, like, no. Speakeasy. Tap, oh, Speakeasy. Oh, 
Speakeasy. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Over there across from McGinnis. <laughs> yeah, kind of. yeah. Okay. So Speakeasy was probably like the our, only bar. Yeah, the only bar. We went to Flips and Wilshire Club. Well, Edna's, uh, obviously. Oh, Edna's. I, yeah. I've only been there like three times. I'm I'm the worst. I can't deal with that. Yeah. So, but so really it's changed. We had a, you know, it's changed. Yeah. I never could have predicted this. I could never, even when I moved home 16 years ago, I couldn't have predicted it. What do you think is going to happen in the next 10 years in this city? I think that... I think that in the next 10 years, we're going to still continue to grow. I think that COVID has brought to light a lot of things that we could work on. Um, Like a lot of social things that I think are important. Um, so as far as Oklahoma City, I would I would challenge it to still stay moving forward. Um, I think that retail is I hope it grows. I hope that there are more options. I I really can't predict what's going to happen with like, you know, because it's like kind of what happened with these big box bookstores and then they kind of went out of business and then it's online. But now there's this resurgence of like places like commonplace. I hope with kind of clothing, the same thing sort of happens. Um, I mean, you see these major retailers struggling right now and I hope that brings a resurgence of boutiques um, because I, I do love to shop and I know that sounds really materialistic, but I really hope that, we are able to bring some things that are, you know, in Chicago, New York, some of these cooler shopping experiences here. Um, I think restaurants, like we're on a good trajectory. Um, I think Scissor Tail Park is amazing. I mean, I took my kids there last week and it was great to see diversity. Um, and it felt really, I don't know, it felt good. Um, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of growth. I think we're going to, I think we're on a good path. And I agree. I don't know. I, my children, I mean, I'm kind of in the thick of it with children, I guess you could say having a two year old and a one year old. You're going to be in the thick of it for a while. I feel Um, like I'm still in the thick of it. So I think I have like a challenging 10 years ahead of me in the sense of like raising my kids. Um, I think parenting probably is pretty tough when they're like 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're there. It's kind of a scary world. Yeah. So I just hope, like, social media wise, like, I hope that that is kind of taken care of by my the time my kids get there. Like, I hope with that, there's been some sort of whether it's legislature or just human nature, understanding that these algorithms are awful and you know whatever. So not to take it too seriously. Too but you know what I mean? I yeah. think that that's my biggest fear with my kids when they become preteens. I'm hoping that that moves in a, in a direction that is more socially aware yeah. and is positive than it has over the past 10 years. Totally. Because I was, I mean, we had Instagram in college, like Facebook, oh, I got in high school. So, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. seeing where it, where it started and where it is. It's very, it's, it's scary. Yeah. Um, because I feel like I am kind of addicted to my phone. And so I'm hoping my kids won't be. I won't even tell you how many hours my phone said I was on it. I bet I have more. Week. I can't. It's it's embarrassing. I bet I have more. It's embarrassing. I like to say it's for my job, but I think ultimately it's just embarrassing. Okay. Yeah. So the final question. Oh my gosh. Emmy, your best friend from college comes to visit, spur of the moment, says, I can't take it anymore. I've got to get out of town. I want to come to Oklahoma City. I hear it's like happening and really on the cusp of something great. You pick this person up at the airport. What do you, where do you guys go first? How do you spend your day? Okay. So we, we are going to go to Cheevers for brunch. I got to get back to Cheevers. Right. I mean, what's wrong with me? I'm going to go. We're going to go to Cheevers for brunch. Um, do I have kids? You can have whatever you want. Okay. No, you could. They could be with the babysitter. They're, okay. If I have a babysitter, then unless your friend is bringing her kids, then you can. Maybe okay. she doesn't have kids yet, though. Um, I think if it's just like my, I have a best friend who lives in Dallas. I think if she comes in town, we'll go to brunch at Cheevers. We'll pop around to all like to Salt and Water, some stuff in Film Row, and then we'll probably come up see you at Greta and do Yay. some shopping, kind of in the Nichols Hills area. Um. I think then we'd have to have dinner at the Metro and then maybe head down to like the Jones for a drink after. 
I love that plan. Yeah. Are you going late night to Groovies and Taco Bell or what's, is this a late night night or I would, are we home I would bed love at 10? to go to Taco Bell at 2 a.m. Like, let's do it. Let's say we're going to go to Taco Bell like, at 2 a.m. I would, that, that is heaven for Bean me. and cheese burrito, crispy beef if, taco. If I wasn't, if the next day doesn't matter, then yeah. The next day great. does not matter. Now, um, when you're 47, the next day matters because you are miserable for like a full week after that kind of a night. I, I mean, I believe it you. It's the days are getting like. It's awful. Yeah, it's awful. I think, that, yeah, something happened when I turned 30. I think your metabolism it's or your happens. whatever. But let's pretend like the next day won't be miserable. Yeah, I think that's what I do. I mean. I don't know. It's so hard because I feel like a lot of people say those things, but I just, I love Cheevers. It's so good. And I do love like the Metro. I'm I, it's just, that's everything. We're actually going on Friday, I think. What? Yeah. Just you and Jeff on a date night? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I'm kind of jealous. I I need to, I, the past like year, maybe year I've been, I've taken Jim on a date before Christmas. I feel like maybe I need to take him on a Christmas Honestly, date. Like, maybe we'll walk there. If I could plan cold. a perfect day just for myself, I would just take a day and shop right now. I know I keep saying that, but like, you well, know, I even, think also it's been highlighted because you haven't been able to do that. Yeah. So I think it's top of mind. Like I want to go to Learning Tree and Swaddle and all of those places. Honestly, oil even tree. Oil oh, Tree. God. I've been Honestly, even there. gills sometimes you can find. Oh, great jeans! Yeah, great I need jeans. to take my kids over there too. Great oh, jeans, great jeans, perfect t-shirts. Like I would hit up all of Western, like I all the way down to Mockingbird Manor. Like I yep. keep going down to Paseo, hit up Betsy King. Like I need to take a day and just, just visit all my an favorite. End right there at Salt and Water. Yeah, and ended salt. Do kind of a big loop to Salt and Water. Maybe we need to do that actually, and because I mean, you know me, I've got a few last minute Christmas presents. Maybe we um, should do that yes. and just like start yes. and just go south and hit all the spots. We should. And, we really should actually. And we should kind of tell the story of our of our journey. Go on a shopping go day. Go on a shopping day. Yeah, Emmy, thank you so much for letting me interview you and letting me hear fun. your story. I love you so much. I love you and. I feel so blessed that I get to ha- call you my friend. And even though you're younger than I am, I think you keep me young and you remind me of what it was like to to really have little kids. And I'm so happy you're getting to enjoy them and thank spend time you. with them. And thank you for asking me to host this podcast with you. It's been such a great journey and I've enjoyed every second of it. I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thought? It, I know it honestly like, and it was also very organic. Like it, it just kind of worked. And one of the things as I get older that I've learned, and I think you'll probably have learned this from your time at Neiman's is I want to do something I love, but I want to do it with people I love. Exactly. And that 110% is the number one thing for me. It could be something I love, but if it's not with someone I love, I'm not doing it. I agree. I, I'm, I'm too old. And so I, really love you. And thank you so much. I love you too. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at ActionCityOKC or for business inquiries, email us at hello at ActionCityOKC.com. Action City is produced by Black and Studios. You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Black and Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative, music written and performed by Kansas City Bankroll. 